Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Brandon Bozarth is a spiritual coach and teacher that focuses on the process of integration. Being an avid studier of neuroscience, quantum physics, ancient teachings, consciousness, metaphysics, psychology, behavioral design, and so on, he has progressively become a leader and catalyst to what he calls the new earth. That new earth that's being birthed is a world based in love, collaboration, community, and growth, according to him. Brandon teaches people how to remember who they are from the higher realms and the history of our existence. He teaches deep spiritual self-empowerment and that miracles are a natural part of our existence. Brandon breaks down the complicated but fascinating history of our galactic universe and is able to contact and channel different beings from other dimensions to communicate the information from the higher realms straight to us. I'm very excited for you guys to hear this episode. It's going to be a good one. Awesome. Hi, Brandon. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Excited to be here being on spiritual shit. (laughs) Um, So I've done quite a bit of research on you and I found you came across your platform because of your talks about the galactic history, ancient Mm -hmm. humans, um, star seeds, things like that. And um, one of the intriguing questions that I saw on one of your previous interviews is someone had asked you what your, what your purpose is. And you said, remembering who I am. And I, I love that, but I would love for you to expand on that for our listeners about what does that mean for you? And also what does it mean for us? Yeah, that's a great question. So the reason I said remembering is because we can, we can talk about um, different perspectives and different truths. You could say truth depends on the perspective. So you could say, you know, I am God, but from this perspective, I'm Brandon. And there's an aspect of me that's God and my higher self and this and that. <clears throat> so it really the context of the question and the perspective in which I answer the question is what is most meaningful. And so understanding that I already know and you already know, we all already know these things that ring true to us, right? It's like those moments where you just go, oh man, I know that's true. And you don't need evidence and you don't need anything else. You just feel it. It's like yeah. something within you is resonating. That had to already be there. That didn't just get created within you in that moment because everything is here and now. That means that was already there. Mm-hmm. And so my, from my understanding, the more dense the reality, the more we forget. So the, the further in density we go, the more we forget who we really are so we can play the game of remembering. So what that means for me is continuing to expand in my passion and excitement, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they say in the Bible, they said, or like Jesus was is represented by a, a heart on fire, which means the passion of the Christ, which really just means live your passion, burn for something. And so for me, that burning sensation, that excitement, that passion 
the more that that is who and what I am and I'm expanding that in every moment is, is correlated with the degree at which I'm remembering who I am. And it just brings fulfillment. Enjoy it. Beautiful. (laughs) Uh, So how did you come to that realization? Like what happened in your journey that got you to that, that understanding of this is what your purpose is? Yeah. Well, man, if I take it back to, you know, when I was like 20 or even like 18 and I just started, you know, I had, I'm 27. So, so probably around 18, 19, I started, well, before that I was always given these, I had these interesting moments in my life where people would just like give me a a Deepak Chopra CD when I was like 10 Mm -hmm. and then, and then something else. There was these seated moments that we all have, I believe to kind of wake me up and have me start questioning things. But it really got intense around 18 or 19, <clears throat> even a little before that in high school, when I got into like the whole conspiracy world, yeah. which like I've talked about before, conspiracy is literally a technology of consciousness to help to, to entrain people into a never ending loop of negativity. And so that was my first experience of con- conspiracy. Although there may have been a lot of truth, so much of it was embellished, exaggerated. And at first I looked at that, looked at that and I said, well, I'm just angry. And I would actually have dreams of going to blow up the White House because yeah. I was so angry. Yeah, I was like, how do we solve this? Oh, we just, let's just blow it up, mm-hmm. you know? Because I felt so powerless. Like my voice doesn't matter. What I do about it doesn't matter because that's in a sense, the point, the intention of conspiracy is for you to feel powerless. So I was feeling so powerless, but <clears throat> the gift in that was a, it gave me a call to action. It gave me something to do about it. And this is, I talk about this a lot in my workshops. There's a difference between anger and a call to action, but they're actually the two sides to the same coin. Mm -hmm. So anger is, I see something that I'm so vibrationally incompatible with, and I believe I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And that, that expression feels like powerless. And then we're just anger, angry, because that is our attempt to get power that we think we don't have. The other side is a call to action. You really, you see something that you go, wow, that is so not what I prefer. So not who I am. I can't imagine why that exists, but it must be here for a reason. And maybe it's here for me to respond in a positive way and do something about it. That's a call to action. That's a very energizing, natural, positive response to things that we see that are negative. And so early in high school, I had a really strong call to action to go, this world is crazy. What's going on? Like the education systems are set up, you know, like the government, the corporations, the um, 9-11, all these conspiracies. And I was just questioning everything. So I had this really strong call to action to change the world. It, that was like from my, you know, 16-year-old self, I want to change, change the world. Now I realize changing the world is synonymous to changing the self mm-hmm. because this whole thing is a reflection of the self. Mm-hmm. And so it took me attempting to change things, wanting to make the world different, wanting to make myself different because that's just a reflection of my consciousness as well. Oh, this is wrong. This is bad. Well, that's an aspect of me because there really is no separation between me and the reality. So I'm over here thinking I'm judging the conspiracy, thinking I'm judging all these, you know, corporate heads. I'm just judging different aspects of myself. So it's a very disempowering place. And I got to a place where I was so fed up and so angry and feel, feeling so powerless. And it's like, this can't be the solution. Like, this can't be it. Me being angry and trying to change things and invalidating things can't be it. 
And there was no real moment, but I think a series of moments that just kept leading me inward and inward and inward. And I think that's so natural for humans. It's actually a state of being called compression. People, if you judge it, will call it depression. But compression is when, ah. we, stop. Yeah, it's when, it's when we stop and we go, I know the answers aren't out there. So I'm going to withdraw from the outside and go inward because I naturally know that's where my truth is. That's called compression. We, we can do that 15 times a day in moments. Yeah. You know, it's like we get an email and we go, oh man, I just want to respond negatively to this email. Wait a second, wait a second. Let me go inward. Technically that moment, you're compressing yourself. You're saying, I'm not going to expand and act. I'm going to go in, reevaluate my beliefs <clears throat> so I can then act from an aligned place. Mm -hmm. So I think I just had years of that in my early 20s of what is true. You know, like if, even if I did, you know, change the world and all this, you know, is returned to its natural state at the expense of my, is it going to happen at the expense of my emotional health? Yeah. You know? So eventually I just landed in the, in the um, decision for me. What works for me is my ultimate purpose is to be myself and live my absolute best life and to be myself as fully as I can by remembering who I am. And if I can rem remind other people along the way, great. And if not great mm -hmm. and, and understanding that, and a really visceral level, like, hey, this reality is actually a hologram. It's like one of my favorite quotes recently is, there's nothing out there, out there. Mm -hmm. That when I do that, I never change the earth, but I change myself and then I shift to an earth that's more reflective of the change I made within myself. Can you say that again? That is yeah. a, So you never <laughs> change the earth you're on, but you, sh you change yourself and then you'll shift yourself to another version of earth that's already more reflective of the change you made within yourself. Interesting. And uh, this is just an understanding of this is, this is everything is here now. There, there are infinite earths that exist. There's an earth that has completely blown itself to bits and there's an earth that is complete paradise. And based on our collective and individual agreements and what we chose to explore and now what we have so much flexibility in transforming is what earth we want to find ourselves on. So this is a really interesting concept because when the, I mean, the people are probably listening, have no idea what we're talking about. If we talk about the new earth and Eckhart Tolle and all the other people that have been like very mainstream about that, what does that mean? Um, so, so when you're saying that, I, I think I recognize what you mean as far as what we're talking about in alignment. Like it's almost um, whatever that psychological phenomenon that it happens if you decided you wanted to buy a yellow Audi, all you would see was a lot of yellow Audis. But if you mm -hmm. were compressing yourself and putting yourself in alignment, remembering who you are, what reflects on the outside would then thus be the world that you lived in. Mm -hmm. But on a very logical level, we're all still living on the same blue ball rotating around the universe, correct? Or is there a vibrational dimensional shift that can happen that there's actually a new physical earth. Yes. So this is where it gets really interesting. This is where this, like, yeah, this is where like, the quantum physics and spirituality really, really come together. And I always say there's two parts to total transformation. There's understanding yourself, mm -hmm. which is all about your belief system and really reflecting and getting receiving reflection from others. And then there's understanding how things work and how reality actually works and how it's structured and what this actually is. Those two things are so freeing because they reinforce each other. When we understand how this reality is structured and that it really is a projection of consciousness 
and that time isn't real. And the implications of all those ideas, they imply our freedom, they imply our power as creators. There's so much there for us. Um, so there's a actual rate of change that can be measured. Um, it's related to, but not totally encompassed by something called Planck distance mm -hmm. um, in quantum physics, where they measure the speed. Um, uh, I'm not remembering exactly what the measure was, some sort of rate that information can be processed. Mm -hmm. And that rate is about 10 to the 43rd times per second. 10 to the 43rd times per second is hundreds of billions of times per second. Mm -hmm. Now, what's actually happening hundreds of billions of billions of times per second is you, me, the entire universe, including the earth, is collapsing into, in a sense, a neutral point and exploding back into reality. Mm -hmm. That would be the, from our perspective, from a linear perspective going, oh, well, first there's this, then there's that. That's what's actually happening. And then our consciousness, and think of each one of those flashes as a film strip, as a, a square on a film strip. So flash, film strip, film strip, film, 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 film. We are now running that through our consciousness mm -hmm. to create a timeline to experience time. And because each change is so similar to the next, we don't notice the change. Mm -hmm. to, to us, it just seems smooth. So we go, oh, things aren't changing. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm the same person I was five seconds ago. Mm -hmm. But in that time, in five seconds, you actually looked and were and are hundreds of billions of different people, literally. And mm -hmm. I mean, literally, like, like your entire DNA make up your position in time and space. You're, the molecules and the particles in your body are literally brand new. Boom, 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 every moment. Mm -hmm. So what does that imply? Well, that implies that our Earth is doing the same thing. So we were on a different version of Earth, literally, physically, in the beginning of this call than we are now. This is why I think as Buckminster Fuller, he says, you're not obligated to be, Buckminster, you're not obligated to be the same person you were five minutes ago. Yeah. Well, understanding the actual nature of existence and how, how we create time to exist shows us that we're, we are actually new people on a new earth, boom, every single moment. Now, what's happening since 2012 is because we're more positive oriented as a collective and we're entering this, well, we are in the beginnings of the fourth dimension. Mm -hmm. We are starting fourth to- density or fourth density? Fourth okay. density, yeah. But we're also in, we're in the fourth in the fourth dimension and the fourth density. So when you hit the fifth density within the fourth, you go to fifth and that's non-physical reality. So it's four and four. So in the beginning of fourth, fourth density, what that's all about is um, breaking continuity in time and space, starting to see, you know, it, it could be as simple as you're driving to work and it usually takes 40 minutes and all of a sudden you get there and it only took you 10 minutes and you're like, what happened to all that time in between, mm -hmm. you know, or you just find yourself somewhere like, I kind of skipped over those frames, right? Deja vu. For a little bit, because that, that's mm -hmm. been happening to me a lot lately where I'm starting, I start looking around and I'm like, what just happened? Like, I feel like I'm missing yeah. time. Yeah. So is that an effect of the shift of the density? <clears throat> what yeah. makes it so that we're aware of that now? Yeah. So that's from living in the moment. 
it's from being yourself. It's from remembering more of who you are. So when you're in the moment and you're living in your passion, you enter the timeless state. That's just a side effect of excitement. Time just flies by. You don't experience time. Um, so how you can recognize it is, well, if you're not experiencing time all the time, then that's great. Like yeah. that's like one of the, the easiest ways out of the matrix, right? Um, because then you just start witnessing everything self-organized and uh, organizing. And a lot of people think, well, if I just don't worry about time, how am I going to plan things? How am I going to have a life? All these sort of ideas. It's not that you can't plan. It's that you, we are usually planning way more than we need to plan. Yeah. Right. It's all well and good to plan as long as your plan has a plan for the plan to not go to plan. Yeah. <laughs> then you're good if you can be flexible right? But deja vu, Mandela, the Mandela effect, which is having similar memories. So the Mandela effect, Nelson Mandela, let me just ask you this. Do you remember how Nelson Mandela died? No. Do you remember him hearing that he was imprisoned and put in jail for his revolutionary, right? So my belief and what I thought was true was he died in prison. Yeah. Right? Turns out he lived like 10 or 15 years after that, you know, going to red carpet events, like doing all this stuff in the whatever it was, 80s or 90s. And I I was like, wow, I, I had no idea. I thought, you know, and there's a whole mass group of people, millions of people that believe the same thing and that swear by it. And then there's people that believe the other. Hmm. Those two different ideas in psychology, they call, they would say the people that are wrong are confabulating. Confabulation is a is a unintentional lie. Mm-hmm. Where you believe something so strongly, just like when we were kids, I might go, <clears throat> no, I remember my bike was red and my brother's like, no, it was blue. And we're both 100% sure we're not yeah. lying. And in our minds, like if we were on a lie detector test, they'd be like, oh, they're both telling the truth. Yeah. What we're actually finding now is that isn't just an interesting brain phenomenon. That is our consciousness connecting to two different parallel realities that both exist that are both real that i because because we create the past from the now Mm -hmm. this is another understanding that breaks us out of time we create the past in the now and there's infinite versions of the past Mm -hmm. and so if i'm connecting to a a past you know that someone else and, and they're connecting to one that is completely opposite of my past i know that never happened that's not how it went there is no such thing in that in that interaction as right or wrong. There's I'm connecting to this past for some reason. Yeah. And that reason is always going to be because there's something that I'm getting out of it. There's something that I'm learning from holding on to this past and something that you're learning from choosing to tap into that past. Interesting. Right? Like yeah. this is my favorite stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like over overhead for a lot of people. But um, I think the distinction and seeing seeing that kind of lapse in time. Um, on a very real practical level, like um, for myself personally, I've been noticing that when I engage with someone um, or like if I'm meeting with someone like on a, whether it be like a, hey, we're going to meet for coffee or whatever, for some reason recently, when I see them, like as we're entering space together and I Mm -hmm. see them, there's some weird thing that happens that gives me some distance from myself Mm -hmm. as if I'm observing from outside of my body and this like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm having this 
experience with this person or I'm engaging with them. Let me calibrate to get ready to engage with this person. But there's this sense of timelessness that happens when mm -hmm. I start to engage with them that I almost forget. It's mm -hmm. like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. That's weird, like space of like, how did I get here? Or when, oh yeah, we are meeting or like I'm in the middle of talking to them and then I'm there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. very strange. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have a brain disorder. <clears throat> That's the good thing. Yeah, and it's it's really only going to get more weird. Yeah, like it's like really our only guarantee. Things are just going to keep getting more weird. But weird, by definition, is something that breaks you away from the norm. So that's what we signed up for. Like, let's let this get really weird. So we question what's normal versus what's natural, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a quick story on, on time. That was really profound for me. I was in Bali facilitating a retreat. This was a little over a year ago and we finished the curriculum for the day and we're kind of sitting around and I'm getting this strong impulse from spirit. Give them the galactic download, give them the, the history and the context. And I'm just like feeling so energized. So I say, hey guys, I want to share something with you if you guys want to stick around there. Sure. So I started at a really um, wide perspective of all that is and, and source and consciousness reflecting itself, fractaling all the way down into our experience and what it means to be human and these sort of ideas, kind of big esoteric down to alignment, create alignment, beliefs, this sort of thing. And I just entered the channeling state. So for me, it was a very timeless experience. And when I come out, I go, okay, well, oh man, I lost track of time. You guys probably are up past your bedtime. We got to get up early tomorrow to start the next day. It's got to be at least 1130 because we started, I think, around 10. Mm -hmm. And so I look over at my uh, co-facilitator, my, my good friend, Nathaniel, and I go, how much time has it been? It's been like at least 90 minutes, right? He goes, it's been 16 minutes. And I look at the group and I go, who here believes that it was at least 90 minutes? Everyone raises their hand, but only 16 minutes went by. So what does that actually mean? Because we create time, if we need more time, we can create it. If we need less time, we can create that. So we stop taking time into consideration when we make choices because that will lock you into time. That will make you believe time is real. And if you believe time is real, well then guess what? Your past can affect you. You are the accumulation of everything you've done up to this moment, when really that's just a belief. Mm -hmm. That's not actually true. You, we think cause and effect, that's how cause and effect, effect works. But really it's reversed. It's we're causing the effect. Mm -hmm. And so if we think our past is causing the now, no, our now is causing the past. Yeah. Right. So you can, and that can literally be so intent. Like it could be such a significant change that you could at one stage in, in your life, let's say years ago, be connected to a past where you've been physically abused and then years can go by and you can do such radical self-work that you no longer have that memory, but you don't even have the memory that you ever had the memory. Mm hmm. Yeah. So like, because you're literally a different person with a new past. So there could be a version of me that exists. There is, in fact, some version of me somewhere in some parallel reality that has a past where I was physically abused growing up, mm -hmm. right? Maybe it was in this lifetime, in this consciousness stream of this lifetime, but I've shifted in such a way that I now created a, a different past and I never knew that I had the other past in the first place because I don't need to know. 
Now, did you create a different past for your memory or did you actually create a different past? Mm -hmm. Is it like a, a new line? A new timeline, an past? actual new timeline. That's the thing. Memory is actually, we, we have this whole belief about memory that we think memory is fixed. Yeah. Memory, all memory is, is your consciousness tuning into a parallel reality mm -hmm. because you cannot imagine non-existence. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah. How do I imagine something doesn't exist? You can't. It's not there. It's not there. So, so if I'm imagining something, it has to exist on some level. Yeah. That's what the imagination is for. It's like the cosmic telephone to dial into any reality, any energy you'd like. So when you're using, when you're in your memory going, oh, I remember this happening. What you're actually saying is an aspect of my consciousness is connecting you can even think of it like this stream of white light in your in your head connecting to a frame, like a, a frame on a film strip. Oh, I'm highlighting and energizing this frame right now. And if you're getting something out of that, meaning you're learning something, it's teaching you something about yourself, well, you'll hold on to it till you learn that lesson. Then you can unplug that and might plug it into a different past. Mm -hmm. You may remember this old past, but it might not be relevant, so you might never think about it unless you really try to remember it, or you might never remember that you had that past. That's how flexible it really is. People say you can't change the past. You absolutely well, can. Yeah, you can't change, go, you can't go to the past and change it because there is no past. But when you shift the now, you have to change the past to create continuity to make sense of the person that you are now. Yeah. Right? Like if I claim I am an empowered, sovereign, passionate being if i believe my past doesn't support that and i'm living in time then i won't believe this mm -hmm. so if i actually believe that now automatically and effortlessly my past has to change to reinforce that and so does my future this is why we don't necessarily always need to go to the past to heal yeah. we go to the now with what you're feeling with what the beliefs are when those shift everything shifts in both directions there's a, um, he's a neuroscientist, uh, neurologist, neuroscientist, and he, Morgan Cerf, I think is his name, he's French. Um, he talks about how on a very scientific level, how the same concept, but on a more science-based level, um, saying less quantum physics, more science, sorry, um, where he talks about every time we take out a memory, we put new prints on it. And then we put it back in our brain with, and, but every time we remember something or we access that part of our brain or that memory, we change it mm -hmm. to align with who we are today. So you can, he's like, this is why therapy works. This is why when you talk about your feelings or what something happens, every time you tell that story, you either reinforce something or every time you touch it, you change it to align with yeah. who you are today. And I, yeah. I thought that that was pretty brilliant, but I like your explanation of the, the film strip. Uh, that'll stick with me for a really long time. I think cool. <laughs> that's cool. a good thing. So now that we're we're in this process of remembering who we are, I would like to go into the more esoteric uh, aspect of those things, um, mm -hmm. where we've talked about in, like star seeds, for instance. Mm -hmm. Like I have connection to past that I can't logically, from this perspective of this life, this material plane, um, make sense of. I'm really, really connected to. Um, Pallades and Lumeria and some past lives, a very Egyptian person. Mm -hmm. So like I have these affinities to these things that I remember in dreams or when I'm channeling or other things. I've had some past life regression stuff done. But in that process of remembering who I am, why I'm even here, 
there's this, this on and off switch of like, I remember the power and I remember all this stuff and I have these abilities or whatever that comes through. And then there's the switch of the, the 3D old paradigm template thinking that says, no, you're not that person. Here, let's throw a bunch of sprinkle of, of circumstances that say, actually, you're not powerful at all. So in that process, um, I, I know that you're in that process of, of remembering who you are constantly. Um, but at, for our listeners, like what, what are the particularly in, in reference to star seeds, like mm-hmm. what, are, what are these things that we're remembering? How can we find more connection to them? And, and why is it happening now? Yeah, great, great question. So first thing is to understand that what's really important about becoming aware of your other, you can call them incarnations. Um, but again, incarnation is implying time that you start here and then you incarnate and then there's a past and a future. So from the perspective of spirit, all of that's happening at once. Mm -hmm. So to just speak more accurately to what's actually going on, we can just call them parallel reality selves because they're all coexisting right here and right now. Mm -hmm. So if you start becoming aware of more of these selves, these parallel reality, different versions of you that you're connecting to, first of all, that's a great sign. That means you're expanding your consciousness. That means that you're, at least integrated enough within yourself to be able to perceive more than just this self, mm-hmm. more aspects of self, and that will only increase because of the, tr- the transformational age that we're in. But what's most important about it is the state of being that those parallel incarnations, parallel selves, offer to you. Mm-hmm. So when you think of being connected to the Pleiades, being connected to Lumeria, how do you feel? That's the question. And then you go, oh man, I just feel relaxed. I feel excited. I feel empowered. That is going to be the main lesson from those incarnations mm-hmm. to take your action from in life, right? It's like they say, abundance isn't a place that you get to. It's a place that you come from. Mm-hmm. So they're giving you state of being permission to say, hey, you can access this state, this frequency. Now take that and act from it in your life. Mm-hmm. and what would they say to act on well whatever excites you most mm-hmm. and and that is actually what will expand your ability to connect to more and more of these incarnations you know because everyone here is a star seed in the sense that we all have dna that's connected to hundreds of different races i mean we are like hybrids of hybrids of hybrids of hybrids because even the those that seeded the civilization the anunnaki hundred 100, 200, 300,000 years ago, even they were hybrids of different species. Because, you know, and this is one way. What was that? I said, can you explain who the Anunnaki is? Yeah, the Anunnaki. So they're they're essentially, um, oh man, I'm forgetting the exact planet that they're from. All the planets that most people think they're from are not, they're not from. They're not from Nibiru. They're not from these other planets. They're really far. Yeah, they're not from Maldek. Really far from here. The Anunnaki, long story short, an ancient, ancient race that no longer exists in their original form. In fact, um, the Pleiades are a distant cousin of the Anunnaki, and so are the current, um, some of the current aspects of the Lyran star system beings, the cat beings. So they now have like branched out in their, their, in their G- DNA and expression and they don't exist as the Anunnaki really anymore. Mm-hmm. But humanity has their DNA. So the Anunnaki came about two to 300 years, two to 300,000 years ago um, in search for gold because gold in a monoatomic form when put in the atmosphere 
can correct a, the uh, climate of a planet. And their planet needed that support. And they were very advanced. So they came here. Earth, apparently, according to ETs and different beings and consciousness that I've been in, in, in tune with, ha, is a very, very valuable resource throughout the multiverse. I mean, gold is like, it represents eternity, right? It can never rust. It can never wear. Super conductive. It's a very valuable metal in physicality, uh, mineral. And so they came here to, in a sense, farm or mine the gold. And when they got here, they realized it was a big task. So they said, we need a workforce. We need some support. It wasn't really done from a malicious point of view. It was kind of like, well, we can, and we think we need it. So we might as well. We kind of have the right. We're more evolved than these monkeys over here. So we'll give them a gift by uh, boosting their consciousness a bit, giving them some DNA, turning some things on to allow them to work, to be a workforce, but not too much. Don't make sure, you know, don't, that's where Adam and Eve kind of that story came from eating from the tree of knowledge means don't let them know who they really are and what they're really capable of, or they won't want to work with us, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the initial intent that actually broke one of the prime laws of the natural evolution that higher beings are kind of like ambassadors for, which is called uh, the prime directive. Well, that's at least what we, we call it in Star Trek, right? The mm -hmm. Prime Directive, which basically means you are not allowed to interfere with the natural evolution of any planet. But they did. And so because of that, their home world said, well, now you guys have to pay the price. Actually, our whole civilization does. Now we have to oversee and watch this civilization. And that's when it split. And there was a positive side saying, okay, we want to support them and help them. And there was a negative side saying, you know, we're superior. Screw that. We should whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I pay attention to the positive side. And so now to bring us full circle, those of us that are turning on a lot of our spiritual gifts, specifically empathy and telepathy and psychic abilities, these are all based in the genetics that we are now allowing to turn on that are originally Anunnaki genetics. Did you say telepathy right. or tel telepathy? Yeah. So, so we, Mainstream calls calls it telepathy, mm -hmm. but and one of my favorite channels, Bashar, um, offered this definition called telepathy, mm -hmm. and telepathy is essentially saying it's not that I can read your mind; it's that we connect in a way that is so um, we're mirroring each other to such a degree, energetically, yeah. emotionally, that it's not that I'm reading your mind; it's that we're having the same thoughts at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's what telepathy actually is, or telepathy actually is. But it's more accurate to say telepathy because it's the empathic connection, which is actually unconditional love. That's how you work on your telepathy. It's actually by unconditionally accepting someone. That's the energy that then the, the, you can start matching what they're doing. And all love is, is allowance. This is why someone like a Jesus could go to someone that's very sick and not judge that, not even need or want them to change, but just allow them and love them as they are and then see them and know that they're healed. And because he's matching their state with pure love, he gives them an opportunity to match that state back and heal themselves. I, I love that because I didn't know telepathy was a term, but that is something I interact with daily. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a really, really beautiful thing to have a definition for it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, watching your, your, the video that you sent me, um, 
talking about the star systems. Um, I think my interested my listeners would be super interested in that and learning about like just like give me the quick and dirty on the star systems that are out there like the Pleiades, the Ryan Group, yeah. um, the Avians, the you know like yeah, sure, just shoot off the hip for me. <laughs> Great. Okay, so let's just start. We'll start with the Pleiades. Pleiades is the most likely um, similar society that we will become. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Pleiades. They are. They're a unified society. Um, they have some human DNA, so they are very similar to us. And the way that our technology and consciousness is going will most likely end up very similar to a very similar society as the Pleiades. Um, I think recently, and I'll have to tune in again for this, they, they call the Pleiades the seven sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seven planets that make up that system. And I believe we just became aware of two more, which is nine. And that's really significant because we're also becoming more aware of our total aspect of self. And there's nine levels of consciousness within the aspect of self. Mm-hmm. So that I, that's how I've kind of always rev- uh, viewed things out there as symbols of what's going on in here. Yeah. So they're helping us. Many, many people on the planet are connected to the Pleiades. They've been helping us for a really long time. Um, so we have the Pleiades. Uh, Orion is was what the most the darkest system in the in our universe, um, much darker than Earth. I mean, their thoughts were monitored, mm-hmm. and you get killed if you just thought that things were unfair or that you wanted to overthrow the government. I mean, it was so oppressed. They were so oppressed. Their technology was so advanced, but their technology was used for oppression and control and domination. And just like in in the body, there's this buffering system in between galaxies of just space. There's a natural mechanism in the universe that keeps the negativity, the virus from spreading throughout the whole thing. And it's actually that space because the technology that is required to travel vast, incredibly vast distances in the universe actually can't be fully understood from a place of negativity because it doesn't happen from from a uh, from technology alone it happens from consciousness it happens from a connection between the heart and the mind and technology so there's this natural buffering system so that system never spread too far out and created like a you know star wars style dominating empire Mm -hmm. but it was pretty close as close as you could get and there was a um a group called the black league which in a sense buried themselves and created underground like enclaves in the moon that orbits one of the major planets in that system that was made out of black selenite. And that's why they call themselves the Black League, more so because black darkness, the shadows hiding. And now that soul group is here on earth. Many of us are part of that soul group because that they ended up destroying themselves mm-hmm. and they weren't able to, in a sense, completely turn that system into light right away. And then they went to Maldek, then they went to Mars, and now they're here. And by this time, they've actually trans that whole system is transformed. Now it's into light mm-hmm. because of Orion. Orion. Yeah, mm-hmm. now that, that whole system is light. And we have a symbol of that on Earth that they have synchronistically created for us, which is the white selenite, which I have sometime here. I have so a this lot. Of, yeah. yeah, this is actually a, a symbol of 
of Orion's, like victory from, from dark to light. So their message to us is if we can do it, you can do it. We had it way worse and we were able to. So if we can, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's where the a, grays come from, right? The grays, well, no, the grays are actually from a parallel version of Earth. Oh. They're, they're human. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So this is a really interesting story. They are from a parallel version of Earth where they got so advanced in their technology and they proved the existence of parallel realities that they actually created technology able to tunnel in to different parallel realities. But they did that because they were destroying their Earth. And they came to our Earth because they lost the ability to reproduce. They even lost the ability to feel emotion because they were so disconnected from their heart, from nature, and they were creating technology at the sake of of destroying the planet, similar to what was a similar energetic to what the fall of Atlantis was. Mm. And so they at one point said, wow, we can't clone ourselves anymore. We can't make ourselves into robots, not working. We need actual natural DNA to start introducing back into our system to re-naturalize ourselves and perpetuate our species. And so they contacted a bunch of different beings, support beings and races and civilizations throughout the multiverse to help them do that. And one of the things they had to do is, in a sense, give up their autonomy, give up their freedom temporarily. They had to give over their choice-making ability and become kind of like a hive mind, like bees, that only listened to the queen bee. And they did that with a race uh, called the, um, they're the mantis beings, which they're like DNA specialists, and other beings like um, Sirius, Mm-hmm. Um, serious they're they're just the 5d mentors kind of like of our whole system they're they're just a super high energy really connected to the whales connected to the dolphins unity consciousness like really great that like rich deep blue color um i could just feel it now just talking about it which is really cool um so the grays mm-hmm. they tunneled into our reality in the 80s and they decided to help with assistance from other beings have conversations with us on different levels of consciousness so with our higher minds with our higher selves to say hey will you help our species survive which we were glad to do right because from the perspective of spirit it doesn't matter if someone is negatively oriented or not in the physical we know that's not who they are we just know that's their dream that's their game they're playing and we're up there going, hey, you guys are doing great. This is fun. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, so we're like, of course, we'll help you. It's just we didn't remember that. So when, when some of us were invited or, you know, invited to go on an adventure, a.k.a. an, an abduction, <laughs> we forgot. We freak out. What, what's going on? And we don't know how to process that. And so we, we interpret it as traumatic. But it's not because of what they're doing. It's because of our own belief systems. Mm-hmm. around not being in control around our survival mechanism all this stuff and they've learned because they didn't really have the the ability to have compassion they've learned over time to have more compassion and you'll see if you look up like ufo abduction reports it was really crazy in the 80s and 90s as far as like oh it's scary and negative it's not really like that anymore right yeah. all adjusted they've learned we've learned we are starting to remember that we've signed up to support them and through us giving them either our DNA or like a vibrational template of our DNA, they've been able to introduce that into their genetic makeup and start creating hybrid offshoot races 
that are more balanced in their consciousness, one of them being the Esasani, which is one of the, the civilizations or the Sasani people that I resonate with most. Mm -hmm. And they are just an incredible race of beings that are here to support us. Um, they are, are they kind of like, here? go ahead. Physically here? Physically. They're, well, from our perspective right now, they, their planet would be non-physical. Okay. But it's very close to this dimension because they are at a stage in their evolution where they're at the very end of fourth density. And it's called quasi-physical. So they're still physical, but also some of them are so non-physically physical that they could pass their arm through their own body. Mm. And it's like there's been writings about Jesus after he uh, resurrected. They say he was more light than body. Yeah. What that actually means is he was quasi-physical. He was on the very edge of this dimension. So that's where they, their entire species is there. Mm -hmm. at that level of consciousness which is about 300 to 320,000 cycles per second in their consciousness like apparently and from what i've received and other sources other channels jesus when he resurrected was at about 312 320 cycles per second in his consciousness mm -hmm. the rate at which his consciousness would flow on measurements that we don't even have so it's kind of an arbitrary yeah. thing, but just to compare, their whole race is like that. And so they're just really, really beautiful race. And there's a lot of people chan channeling the Esasani beings on every continent. And they're just giving us, in a sense, all the information that the greys didn't have that led to their downfall. That's how it's all being paid back. Because in a sense, we are their ancestors. Okay. The right? Because we get, the yeah, the Esasani. Are the Esasani a, a derivative of the Essenes? Uh, um, no, but there is some connection in a different way that I'll okay. talk about. But the Greys, we, we gave our DNA to the Greys. The Greys created an offshoot civilization. Two offshoots later, that third race represented perfect balance between heart and mind. Also numerology, the number three, yeah. the Trinity, perfect balance. That was the Esasani. The Esasani lives. The only reason they're here is because we decided to give them, the greys, our DNA. Yeah. So in a sense, they are, we, they call us the ancestors. Mm. And so they're coming back, in a sense, in time, literally. This is why we're in the coolest movie ever. Like, <laughs> our cool, we are in the coolest movie ever. They have come back, in a sense, in time, because for them, time is very different, to give us what the greys didn't have so we don't go down the same path. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's like this infinity loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If that works. Um, so what, what's the, so as I understood the grays, cause I'm a law of one studier recently mm -hmm. as a recent, um, and I don't know if they call them the grays in the book, but they talk about Orion and how they've come, um, for domination and enslavement and like the whole deal. Um, and me personally, I have some, um, some very scary connections to the grays. Mm -hmm. Like when I was a child, like six, yeah. seven years old, yeah. Um, just, I would see a picture of them on, on TV or whatever, and freak the hell out yeah. and blow up into hives. Like the whole thing, having visceral physical reaction yeah. to like death kind of fear, yeah. um, when, when seeing them. And so my dad at the time thought it was funny mm -hmm. and would like talk things around or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember having such a, like, it was probably up until, I mean, I'm 35 now. So maybe when I was 27 or 28 that I could actually look at a picture without 
going into hives and having that visceral reaction behind it. So I've always had a very negative reaction or response, mm -hmm. mention of them, and now learning all this stuff about galactic histories and things like that. I'm like, keep them away from me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which now they, you know, I have so much appreciation for them because they are giving us all of the things that they didn't have that destroyed the world and they did it. They're doing it because they see that we're going down the same path mm. and they're saying, Hey, because you're willing to give us the D your DNA and donate this DNA so we can survive, we're going to make sure you don't make the same mistake as, as us. Mm -hmm. It's this whole cosmic karmic cycle yeah. that they're helping us shortcut because they, it, it took them thousands of years in this parallel reality. I mean, thousands of years to destroy their planet and do and be where they are to learn that that's not the way to then come back to us to say, Hey, you could shortcut all that and yeah. just arrive at a very unified enlightened society. Mm -hmm. And here's how we're going to help you. So they're, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like blaming a kid for getting mad that there's no ice cream left and saying, oh, I hate you. You know, mm -hmm. you don't blame the kid because you just realize the kid doesn't know. They just yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. That's really like the grays. It's like they thought, oh, well, this is how I get love. This is how, you know, I need to live forever. And, you, and it's all coming from fear. Yes, Orion is, had a similar energy. Mm -hmm. And the incarnation of certain souls uh, that were from the Orion energy in Atlantis accelerated that downfall. Mm -hmm. But it's all for the same reason. It's all to play that game out, to play that negativity out, and then to learn for themselves for that soul's journey that everyone in a sense will always find their way back home mm -hmm. but because every soul will find a way to balance out its energy and so if it just looked at atlantis and said "Ooh, some negative stuff going on there ooh, i'm gonna go play out some of my negative stuff mm -hmm. then it'll take advantage of that and then same thing with egypt Ooh, great civilization ooh, some okay let's go in there and play out some of that see if i can get it right this time oh i didn't get it right this time okay let me do it again that's why earth is such a hub for spirits and souls that want to, in a sense, balance out their energy because we have so many cycles on earth. Yeah. We have days, minutes, hours, seasons, um, different ages have fallen and risen and fallen, risen and fallen, risen and fallen over and over. A lot of planets don't have that. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of planets have one climate all the time that really doesn't change and their axis isn't tilted. It's straight. And, and their days might be 50 hours long. Mm -hmm. What does that mean energetically? There's less cycling of consciousness. There's less cycles to go through. It's more of a stable experience. Here, it's like, oh, you want to transform? Oh, go to Earth. Yeah. Because there's so many cycles astrologically, time-wise. See, everything is, is symbolized as cycles. Earth is like the cosmic recycler to balance out your energy and become more expansive, expansive and really to integrate, to integrate dark and light, masculine, feminine, to arrive at the golden, that golden frequency, which is what Earth's color really does represent. It represents integration. So why so is that Earth out of all the planets is, is, is this one that's this great, the great catalyst, if you will? Like, are there other planets in the universe that also hold that type of frequency? Yeah, apparently there are. And here's the thing. It depends on what universe you're talking about. In our universe, as far as from what I'm aware of, there's not really nothing like Earth. 
-hmm. It's really, really unique. It's why there's so many people on it. For example, the Esasani race, the entire civilization, there's only 300,000 people. Hmm. Yeah. Where do they live? They live on, well, they have a big planet that they leave mostly in a natural state. Rivers, trees, beautiful, their own um, uh, animals that none of them are, it's not a predaceous society, meaning the animals don't eat other animals. Mm -hmm. At this stage, they all survive off of light. They -hmm. all live in harmony. And they live primarily on ships that are right above the world, but they also go down to the world and hang out and, you know, explore and have fun on their world as well. But they keep their world in as as much of a natural state as possible, have very few structures, and, and then they just have art, like their own art on it. And then they live and sleep and whatnot and travel in, in their ships. Um, but as far as Earth, in this universe, apparently, this is very unique. Mm-hmm. Like that, that there is a creation of this level of density and forgetfulness and a planet like Earth. And that's why so many people are here. There's 7.8 billion people on the planet. They're made up of about three what was it? Three to 500,000 oversouls. So if you think of an oversoul as a hand, you mm-hmm. have the palm is the oversoul. And let's say these are all different lives, different incarnations, every finger. So here's my oversoul. Here's me. Let's say you're part of my oversoul. Mm-hmm. So you're here, mm-hmm. right? We, people have called that like a twin ray. Yeah. Twin flame. twin flame, right? So it just really means we're part of the same oversoul group. And technically, if you zoom out, everyone's part of the same yeah. oversoul group because you could say God or all that is, is the oversoul of all oversouls. Yeah. So it's just a way of like perspective again. Sub logos, you know, just keep getting. Right, <laughs> exactly. So in like the Esasani, they may only have, you know, 50,000 oversouls working over there. Here we have 300,000, mm-hmm. which is massive. So consciousness has you know, come, come here, focused here in a really powerful way because it has the ability to transform in a very rapid way. Mm-hmm. And that for the soul is really fun. I think about it like a chess game. Man, hey, let's go play a chess game or let's play checkers. Okay, there's all these rules. This is, you know, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Same thing here. It's just like, hey, look at that game. That's way more unique than any other of these games. These are, they're not, it's not better. Yeah. It's just so unique. It's so different. And there's all these additional rules. And if I go in and I, and I play by these rules and I remember that I don't need to always play by these rules and I, can, and I can remember who I am, even when I have all these rules that say I can't and I still do it, wow, that would be exciting. Well, with all the, it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, it is like a game. Like all of these things essentially pressure, pushing you down into that density, denseness. And then coming to their rival and being like, I know who I am. Yeah, I made it out, but I can't leave yet. So, <laughs> um, so in that, like, I feel like, so for me, uh, I had my awakening about 10 years ago or so, and I continue to awaken every year or whatever. Um, but I'm having more of an openness to, um, to these other races or other possibilities or something. There's a woman that I talked to in my head named Karen. I call her Karen. That's not her name. Her name is like impronounceable. Um, but um, someone that I communicate and channel with quite often and opening me up to a lot of these, these interesting ideals, or um, I even came across the raw material, the Shars mm-hmm. material, um, some other channeled works and things, things that like maybe two years ago, I've been like, this is bullshit. Like these, these mm-hmm. people are fucking crazy. Like 
get on them. And now, um, actually the, the, the way that the raw books came to me was just the craziest synchronicity that you could think. I, it's a long story, but I won't tell you. Um, so anyway, finding that information and reading it as if it was like, I was remembering this, like, like I, as I'm reading each word, I'm going, yeah, you know, like I'm having this kind of like, wow. Okay. This, this makes, I don't know why, but it, this makes absolute sense. You yeah. know, like I'm remembering something that I've always known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so on that level, like, um, I had, I had a, a visitor, mm-hmm. um, I've had, so I'm a medium, so I'm able to connect with things beyond or whatever. So, um, it's still, it's rocky in its sense. Like can't call on it when I want to, but it's mm-hmm. quite, quite evident. Um, when I used to live in, in Brooklyn, I had a visitor from what I believe was a blue avian mm-hmm. and very tall, Mm-hmm. other hair whatever I didn't even know what a blue avian was at the time um but I was in a deep deep meditation and I was like I'm ready and I'm ready to hear from you and I'm ready to blah 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 and I was in this really peaceful state until I opened my eyes and I'm seeing this being to the left of me standing in my doorway kind of like peering in like hey and I freaked out <laughs> and so I like I had the whole like oh my god okay no 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 I going and then you know he's gone of course but um sensing that energy that was around that had no idea what a blue avian was mm-hmm. and then I went into a crystal shop maybe a couple of days ago or days later and saw a poster that said the blue avians were here to help us and they send our blah, blah blah and I was like what that's what I saw <laughs> like what the fuck you know so like in that realization of like okay who are these beings that are incarnating here on earth not even incarnating visiting us on earth um, in their natural state. What is, um, so we kind of got on a little, I like to let it flow too. Um, mm. But the other star races that that are, are existing or that are helping and visiting in this ascension process of earth transformation. Yeah, so yeah, definitely the blue avians. I'm not totally familiar with the blue avians. I just know that they're awesome and they're here to help um, and that they are, I think they're primarily, um, extra dimensional beings meaning they don't exist within this this dimensional plane mm-hmm. they're primarily non-physical is is my understanding um they're serious like i said serious huge mentors they, they actually came back they came to us um they've been involved in earth's history for a while but around the ten thousand year ago mark or maybe even a little before that the dogon people were heavily influenced by Sirius. So there's actual paintings and writings that the Dogon explain these beings from, you know, cloud ships came down and they taught them about agriculture, taught them about astrology, mathematics, geometry, all these sort of things. And they, the Dogon thought they, they were called the Nom Os, but Nom actually means I am in their language and Os means serious or they serious beings or they just call themselves the os Mm -hmm. so nom os means i am os Mm -hmm. so they're called the os they've helped they helped with the dogon they were involved with the dogon the dogon were a very advanced ancient civilization Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of people theorize they were just as advanced or even more as egypt Mm -hmm. and they were before egypt i believe so the dogon very significant um race a lot of uh, archaeologists go we have no idea how they were this advanced they had astrology all this even before egypt before all this um the essene people they were connected with the essene mm-hmm. um there's a race called the 
Arcorians. So there's the Arcturian and then there's Arcturian. Yeah, Arcturian. I've actually had uh, many encounters with Arcturian beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, I've been in altered states where I've had ships land around me and one right in front of me, two beings came off and were instantly telepathically communicating with me. And I felt with so much love. I was just like crying from love and having this conversation with one of the beings. He was blue. It was kind of like a guide of mine named Grace and who really just represents the state of grace and offers that to me. And then the other one was an Arcturus bean, which is orange. So they represent themselves as the color orange, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they have a, uh, like a phone number, you could say, which is a eight-pointed orange star, mm-hmm. kind of a long star. And um, that's kind of like their vibrational essence. They, are, they help us with our incarnational process uh, in a lot of ways, but heavily with our incarnational process. Because when we decide from the spirit level to incarnate, we start creating time. We start to enter a process. So we go, oh, I want to incarnate. I now create the experience of incarnating, of going from a soul to, you know, focusing myself into a human body. That process, we actually pass through something called the Arcturus gate. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not really a gate. It's just a vibration that they offer us during that process which allows us to crystallize certain beliefs and ideas about who we are. So we don't forget them when we go play the game of earth. Mm -hmm. And this has really been happening with the indigo ever since the indigo children and beyond that they have come in with DNA markers on with certain beliefs crystallized in their neurological net that -hmm. they can't unforget. And this is why the awakening has been accelerated. You have these, these kids that you can be, tell them, you know, you can't do this and you can tell them all, whatever you want, but they're just, they're just going to rebel. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah. So that's what the Arcturus vibration is all about. Remembering who we are, crystallizing our, our truth. They are also at this stage, non, non-physical consciousness. Um, they work a lot too with the Sasani and the Sirius beings. I mean, that they're all part of the same galactic um, alliance in a sense. So we're, sorry, the question just came to me, where do we go mm-hmm. after we leave earth? Now that we're incarnating for this game purpose, where did we, it's, it's this kind of mind boggling, like introspection of like, okay, well, do I go back to my original planet? Like, and right. now that well, I've, I've come so there to is earth, no original planet. right. There's no r- real original planet. Yeah. There's planets that we resonate really strongly with because of the state that our soul is focusing itself as, but our original planet, you could say, is just source. That's when we came here, when we decided to incarnate here, where were we before? And in that process of saying, I really want to come here, Mm -hmm. we're all coming from different places. Once we're done... Right. So coming from different places would be a perspective from our linear time space reality mm-hmm. from the soul. We haven't come from or gone anywhere mm-hmm. from the soul. We are seeing all of them at once. We're going, I am existing here, 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 and here. Which one do I want to tune into now? Okay. So after this, you might go back to the soul and then go, okay, now what's fun? What's the, what do I, what, what do I want to do now? What do I think is going to give me the most growth? What's the most exciting? And then you would see an incarnation that already exists and you could see even how it plays out everything. 
And then you can go, oh, okay, this is the one that for me is going to give is the most relevant and is the theme that I want to explore. Okay, let me incarnate there. Boom. And I completely forgot that I know anything about the incarnation and I experience a beginning and a and middle and an end and time. Beginning. It's like us watching TV and our TV yeah. is Netflix and Hulu and USA and HBO. And it's like, hmm, which one am I going to identify with? Exactly. <laughs> they all exist within the TV. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I like that. Okay, so now let's talk about the Galactic Council. Mm, okay. I'm interested in this. <laughs> yeah. So nothing about it, so I don't have great questions, but <laughs> that was good. So so there is a alliance. Um the um I'm forgetting the official name. I call it the Galactic Alliance. It's not it's it's called the uh, better yeah, the Galactic Federation. Uh or it's like the it's like the it's like the Galactic Federation of Worlds or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there is an alliance that has something like 140 different unified worlds within it. Mm -hmm. And um, we will be invited into that alliance, that interplanetary alliance, apparently around 2050. Mm -hmm. So it's really soon. That means by then, a lot's going to happen. I mean, free energy, artificial intelligence, op more open contact, all of that's going to happen within the next, start to happen within the next 10 years mm -hmm. to start to get us to a really unified society. Because just like think about a cell in a body, a cell, when it expand, when it starts to expand beyond its um, critical mass, will expand into another cell and another cell, another cell, and another cell. Then you have this whole population of cells, just like well, we have a population on this planet. Once that gets to a certain point and decides it's ready to evolve, that then will all come together and create a more complex organism. So when we are ready to evolve, which we are, which we are in that process of doing, then it's going to be our natural of evolutionary state to unify as a whole, to create a unified earth. When we're unified, like a cell is unified, well, then we're going to start wanting to combine with other unified cells mm -hmm. to create a more complex organism. So it's really just it, the answers are always right in front of us in our in nature and biology. So as we unify our Earth, we will attract more unified Earths. And once you're, we are have the invitation to join the alliance, to join the, the council, the Federation of Worlds, that's when a lot of the learning is, is really going to take off. That's when we can actually uh, get on ships, learn about the nature of reality, learn about consciousness, learn about different forms of life in the universe, be given certain technologies, and one of the greatest gifts, be given in detail our true history from mm -hmm. start to finish, which is one of the greatest gifts that the ETs um, are bringing us, but only once we're ready. Mm -hmm. right so by that time by by 2050 when that's available i mean that's a that's a world where there's free energy everyone is taken care of we have a unified planet with with no negative conflict there's always going to be challenge but it won't be based in fear mm -hmm. and all of this can the beginnings of this in a very strong way will be starting in 2050 so within our lifetime, we'll, we'll, we will see that much change because we are on an exponential growth edge. It's not just incremental or yeah. going from this one plus one is two and then three. We're going from two to eight 
to 36. Yeah. You know, what's happening in 2020? 2020, as far as an energy is a state, uh, uh, an energy of clarity, just like 2020 vision, mm-hmm. being, able, being able to see in hindsight so we can have better foresight. Um, and 2020 in numerology is a four, which is really about action and new action and grounding in the earth, the four directions. And 2019 is a three, which represents the perfect balance. But in order to get to perfect balance, everything that's out of balance must come up. Mm-hmm. So it's actually more of a catalyst number. That's why 2019 politics, it's just been cray for most yeah. people. What the hell is going on? That's the nature of 2019. So we can land clearly in 2020 and choose what and, and get on the track, get on the path that is representative of the earth that we want to wind up on. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so happening is collective only for those who are awakened or is it for everybody? It, it can be for everybody. It can be. You know, but what's what's happening is there is a split that's happening Mm -hmm. because we're so used to on Earth duality. It's either positive or negative. There is a starting to be a collective that is positively oriented that is gaining a lot of momentum in one direction as a collective, and then there's a negative oriented group that's gaining a lot of direction in another and a lot of momentum in another direction that actually will create a literal split in in the earth where you know 10 20 30 years from now or even less you might just wake up one day and be like man what happened to my neighbor don that always used to bug me he's just gone yeah i have no idea what happened that actually will happen right it's just like any other energy when they get too polarized if there's not a similarity of frequency if there's not a tone like two tuning forks, they can't be in each other's experience. Yeah. And now that's happening on a collective level where you're getting a, a split really strongly positive that's no longer resonating with the negative and vice versa. And these aren't value judgments. It's mm-hmm. just the nature of the energy. Yeah, the alignment. I was talking to somebody about this uh, a couple of weeks ago and saying how um, we were talking about the new earth and not really discussing is it an actual physical second place or is it in a new dimension are we just being transported and then also looking back because I grew up very traditionally Christian um Mm -hmm. but being like well this is essentially the rapture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know we're so and so you know and it's not like a physical people are disappearing out of their cars but people are disappearing out of your life in a rapid state if we're looking at time yeah Um, even and it could be another version of the person too so here's something interesting the earth literally is going to split. We are literally going to be on a different version of earth mm-hmm. and it, that will happen in a different dimension, right? So in, in a sense, we will be on this version of earth and others that don't resonate with that will be on a different version of earth physically and two parallel versions of earth. How does that happen mid incarnation? Well, the thing is, is it's happening every moment. It's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. It's an effortless thing, right? All that's going to happen is we're going to choose an earth that is so different from someone else's earth that they're choosing that we're just going to, we'll just naturally find ourselves on that earth. Mm-hmm. But again, it might, what might happen is let's say I'll use the neighbor again, Don. Okay. So Don's really negative and he doesn't want to be positive and he's going down this negative track. I'm living my passion. I'm in my, in positivity. I'm not, I, I'm not, um, adverse to negativity. I welcome negativity. I integrate negativity. 
I go into my fear. I'm not one of those positive vibe only type of person, but I'm integrative. I'm, I'm loving both options and choosing positivity. What will happen, what can happen is let's say 10 years goes by, I come back home and Don is still there, but it's a different version of Don that is incredibly positive. And you're kind of like, what the hell happened to Don? Yeah. It's a totally different version of Don or there's just no Don. Mm-hmm. All of those possibilities are possible. It's really up to the relevancy of that individual's soul and way, where they decide to focus their energy based on the overall growth of the soul. Some need to go into the negativity to pull themselves into the dark just enough to then be able to slingshot back in the light to have that experience of transformation. Wow. The, I, yes. <laughs> I literally have like no answer to that. Um, I think it's really beautiful what it is that you're doing. Um, and I, you know, I came across you quickly on Instagram, but, um, I feel captivated by the things that you're saying in the sense of being able to connect to that, um, interdimensionality that we're all kind of experiencing at this time and trying to make sense of it all. Um, I'm still balking against some of the old paradigms and traditions and things that I've been taught. Um, but by being super open-minded, especially with this podcast, um, I've been able to learn some incredible things and get and put names to things that I've been experiencing already. And Mm -hmm. particularly with the time thing and then connecting to the resonance of, you know, what is it, what is something that resonates with me? So for our listeners who might be just experiencing an awakening or something like that, if there is something you feel connected to, like run with that, like run and dig and look and research or whatever, because that's been a part of my process in the last couple of years. I am super attached to crystals. <laughs> like I have, I have a gold thing. I've got like a Moldavite and the whole right. deal. Um, so I feel very connected to certain civilizations and I started in the process of then going to a past life regression that opened up some more stuff. And, um, even the last one, I've done two of them. The last one, instead of going into a, uh, uh, an incarnation that I had, I went into a between uh, mm. life uh, mm-hmm. situation, and um, I was able to then from there, wherever that waiting place that people are before they kind of come in, um, went to an, an original planet that I had another incarnation in, mm. and we were all blue. Mm. We had these big eyes, but we didn't have any mouths. We didn't talk like mm-hmm. we didn't telepathically communicated with each other and there was this um we all had we had partners like couples kind of like a split of the same soul or something and we had to make Mm -hmm. a conscious choice if we decided we uh like reproduction was a thought form not Mm -hmm. like there wasn't uh you know nobody was fucking (laughs) like it was more of like let's bring like this this particular person or entity or consciousness into Mm -hmm. existence so it was very interesting to have that experience Mm. and have no no framework for it. I I didn't see a movie. I didn't, you know, like it was like, where is this from? And I did recognize one of my friends in that other planetary Mm. incarnation. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is wild. Yeah. So, um, what now, now that we're rounding down, like for you, what's the most like in your heart of hearts and your passion, like, I mean, clearly you're an educator, you're a teacher and you have a lot of wisdom and passion and you've, you've probably been here before. Um, mm-hmm. But what is it, what's like in your deepest passion and desire, what is it that you want people to know? Yeah, that they are enough, that you are enough as you are, that need in any form is a, an illusion, that you don't need anything more than you already have to be happy, to be yourself 
And all we need is for you to be yourself. That's all the world needs. And even if parents, friends, family, partners are afraid of you following your passion and questioning things and really acting on your joy and excitement in every moment, if they're afraid of that or starting the business, whatever it is that you're passionate about, their soul is saying, go, do it, right? And that's why you chose them. Because if you want someone to approve of you and they're not approving of you, that's what you chose to experience, the integration of rejection. Mm -hmm. That's the lesson. So you don't blame the person for going, oh man, I, you're not approving of me. And it's your fault. You go, ah, oh, you're teaching me about self-rejection. Okay, let me love myself and do this anyway. So be yourself. And what, the, what does that mean? Act on your passion every moment that you can with no insistence of the result outcome, no idea. You don't need to know where it's going to go, but let yourself start to flow that way because you then start being in the right place at the right time, sharing the right things, and that benefits and expands the whole, right? Mm -hmm. It's the only reason I'm on this podcast with you because you said, it's my highest excitement to do a podcast with you. And I said, oh, it just so happens to be mine too. <laughs> That's the synchronicity. Yeah. So, so that, that is your natural state. You have what you need to take one step. Even if you just listen to this podcast and you take one step and you close the podcast and you go, what's the most exciting next step in my life out of all the options that I have, which one's the most fun right now that I'm just want to do just for the sake of it. And when you start to live that way, the whole reality has to reflect that back to you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now I like, I'm feeling like super warm, <laughs> like love and energy just like poured over me as you were saying that. And I think that's mm -hmm. super amazing. Please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so I'm really active on Instagram, brandon.bozarth, at brandon.bozarth, um, and my website, brandonbozarth.com. Um, and in my Instagram, I have a link tree that links to everything, bunch of free videos, trainings, my Facebook, all that. Because you do workshops and mentoring. and Workshops, retreats. We have the 13, which is essentially 13 different archetypes of transformation, which mm -hmm. 13 itself in the tarot is the death card represents transformation mm -hmm. so really it's everything that i know it's like i call it my heart's curriculum about transformation starting with the nature of god and source and our relationship to source because essentially it's just 13 different relationships mm -hmm. our relationship with source our relationship with the collective and physical reality our relationship with ourselves our relationship with fear our relationship to others our relationships to intimate partners I mean, it goes through the entire kind of transformational experience that is um, kind of my main body of work now. Wow. Well, thank you so much for it. This was a, like really a treat to speak with you. And I know our listeners enjoyed it. So thank you so much. You're welcome, Aaliyah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. interested in becoming a client for energy coaching, find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at thelovelyalia for daily content and inspiration.